Welcome to This Life, the Chronicles of Autism Mums, hosted by me, Alison Sarah. Each week, I'm joined by amazing women who happen to have autistic kids. Hasna, Moira, Susanna, Reen, Maha, Karina, Huma and Rana, Alteki. Each week, we talk about navigating the ups and downs of parenting kids with autism and how that affected us and our lives as women, mothers and professionals. Strap in, grab some tissues, sometimes you'll cry from empathy and other times from laughter. Join us on our journey of this life. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Life, the Chronicles of Autism Mums. I'm joined by a lovely group of ladies this morning. Good morning, everybody. We are going to be talking about the Battle of the School, about school admissions and the school admission process, uh, our experiences of that, good and bad, um, how we feel things could um, and can improve, um, and recommendations that we can make. So I'll start, actually, uh, today by sharing my experience because um, I think all of us have had different challenges with uh, schooling and school applications and so my experience was a little bit unusual just for the fact that I've got one child with autism I've got two uh, neurotypical children and I really felt that I wanted to keep them together um, because I feel like all of our, my children should all be going to the same school, should all be given, you know, should, should be sharing that experience of the school journey, going to school, coming home from school. Um, and it just felt right to me that I wanted to keep them together because I think as a parent, you feel like if you split them to a point, if you can identify a school that, you know, can offer uh, an education, quality of education to all of them, whichever, depending on whichever level that they're at, um, you know, it really feels more inclusive. You know, I, I didn't want him to feel like he wasn't good enough to go to the same school as my girls, but also I didn't want my girls to see that there was so much of a difference with him and how he was going to be educated that I had to split them. Um, so I really felt very, very strongly about the fact that I wanted to, them to be together. So my journey started with one school that my eldest daughter was at. Um, so she's three years, well, sorry, two years older than my son who has autism. And she had started a, a preschool within a school um, that goes up to the age of 18. And actually this is a private school, an international school in Qatar. We had really hoped that this particular school could make um, the accommodations for Noah at the age of three to go into their um, kind of kindergarten, like their, their like a nursery program. And um, at the same time, we were kind of looking around. I know um, Moira and I were looking at schools because um, our kids are the same age, our boys are the same age, different places. Um, it became very apparent very quickly that the cost, because I remember the cost of this school, like the school that my daughter was already at um, was expensive anyway, but we, you know, after considering all of those options and what they could offer, it was very minimal, the support that they could provide him because they didn't have the experience, but they offered him a place in fairness. Um, but that was on the provider that we put a shadow teacher into the school. So, um, obviously shadow teachers come at an additional cost. And then he was having, you know, additional therapy at the same time. And it was just, I just felt that that option wasn't quite right for him. And we had the offer of another school place for him, at another international school, which was actually an American school um, that offered a SEN program. So an inter fully integrated, or what we thought was a fully integrated program at the time. This was going back years ago now that we, um, we 
we literally, I couldn't manage all of the school runs at the same time. We made a huge decision to move all of our children. You know, my biggest daughter was up, you know, really, really settled in the school that she was in. I just made this decision that we would all, we would move them together. My husband and I felt very, very passionate and very sure and clear about the fact that they should all go to school together. Um, so we moved them. So I uprooted my daughter who was in third grade at the time, you know, <laughs> and asked her to leave all of her friends and go to this, um, to this new school, which actually worked out well for quite a few years. But now just last year, actually, just due to the fact that our, the, that there was quite a few situations in the school that were occurring, the SEND support had changed, that we decided to um, really have them go their kind of separate ways. And I've now split my girls. So I've got my girls going to the most, you know, great school for them, which offers great opportunity for them. Um, really good. Um, yeah, everything's great about that school for my daughters. But it's just very unfortunate. It really broke my heart, actually, when we had to split them. Um, but now Noah is in a school that is an international school, but it has a SEN unit. And it's like one of the first here to have a multidisciplinary approach. So now I've kind of gone for full circle in like this 360, whereby I've got one in one school who's absolutely thriving. And then I've got my girls in another school who are thriving. It's just that their worlds don't collide. And it was funny, I was having that, well, it wasn't funny at all. I was having a conversation with my eight-year-old the other day. And um, she was talking about having her friends over for a play date. And she said to me, mommy, um, how is everybody gonna react to Noah? They, they've, they've not met Noah before. And they don't know what autism is because sometimes I talk about my, my brother and having autism at school and they don't, they don't know what it is. And what happens if they come over and they see Noah watching Peppa Pig because Noah's 11 but loves Peppa Pig. Um, and what happens if they ask lots of questions and what happens if he runs up to them and gives them a kiss when they come in the door and they don't expect that, you know, what do we, what do we do? So obviously that's part of another conversation. I think the thing, the thing that is most frustrating about it, even though all of my child's, all of my children's needs are being met at their separate schools, the school that is great for my girls is not having any inclusive education at all. So they don't see kids like Noah. And so they don't understand, like, you know, there's, n there's no education there. There's no, like, there's, there's no so awareness, no, nothing. And that, you know, that led to a very frank conversation with my eight-year-old. And, you know, my girls are the biggest advocates for Noah. They absolutely adore him. And, you know, he's one of the pack and he's with them. But when they are, you know, they're becoming acutely aware that obviously there are differences with him, which is fine in our house. But it's like, how do we, how do we get people to understand like kids of their age when they don't see this all the time? So it's a very interesting, it's a very emotive conversation actually with her. And it really... I think it really hit me for a couple of days. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about this. And, you know, when you've got the baby of the family who's, you know, coming up with questions like that, it's, um, you know, we came up with a plan as to how we would do it and everything else, because obviously I want all of their friends to be welcome in our house. 
but it's something that I never thought about from from my children's perspective. So that's where we are with our um, school application process. We've kind of been around the, the, you know, through the mill a bit with it. And I think that most parents in our situations will be at some point, you know, there's a lot of decisions to be made. There's a lot of crossroads to get to. Karina, I wanted to come to you first because I think your situation is slightly unique in the fact that you've got twins and um, one has autism and one does not. So I wanted to kind of pick up with you first and ask, you know, what, how did you go about choosing a school? And, um, you know, have you, you know, obviously they're both together at school. Is that important for you for them both to be at school together in the same in the same environment or is it something you've ever considered kind of splitting or had to consider what's your experience uh you know i, I we think like you you know we want them together mm -hmm. uh, but our journey i think we got very lucky because the nursery he was going to referred him to a very nice small school with the mainstream and uh, they had a very good sand department at the time, small sand department, but uh, his teacher happened to be a psychologist. So I said, well, this is what I, we hoped for, you know, like this is perfect. And he was nonverbal at the time and he was accepted being nonverbal. So he, he was there for KG one and two. And then from nonverbal, he went to, um, he left the school and his report said that he had significant speech delays. So this report closed all the doors, all the doors you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, we, we were sorry, not Karina, So is this, sorry, so we'll just go back a bit just for anyone who's listening that hasn't been through this process. So what you're saying is the disclosure of saying that a child has significant speech delays automatically closes a lot of applications to schools because Absolutely. of the fact that they would not ever entertain taking a child with significant delays. Absolutely. Okay. Because we always chose to disclose. Yeah. You know, I said, we are going to disclose no matter what. Mm. But the boys are our, our first children. You know, we, we didn't know any better. We didn't have any experience with, uh, with schools or applications or anything. So our journey was... Uh, I, I don't like to remember, to be honest with you, because it was, I think, was the most difficult time for us because of the lack of support we received. Were you surprised at the lack of support that there was? Obviously, going into it to begin with, were you surprised as to... It always surprises me even now, and it's silly, really, because, you know, we've been doing this for such a long time, but it's almost like it's... Um, it's almost like you get less help because you've got a child that has additional needs. It's like there are more hurdles in your way because, you know, as soon as you disclose that until you, and as soon as you say that, then there's less help available. There's less support available. It's, it's uh, counterproductive. It just, it, it's, it's the, the system is not working correctly. Yeah. I, I, it's, I think it's, it's everything. It's everything because for like comparing the boys being twins, like for one, here's the application for your son. This is what we offer. Everything is perfect, you know? And the other one, no, we don't have, a, no, we just don't, he's not welcome here. Mm -hmm. You know, like in uh, no one there, no one was there to take care of me and my feelings. How is this mother feeling? 
you know, what is she going through? Yeah. And this is why I start a group of moms with, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, moms who are going through the same process. We have a group and, and I, I try to support as much I, I, as much as I can because I know what I went through and I don't want other mothers to go through the same thing I went. And I, I, I was like, I became depressed because I, I just like, I told my husband, let's leave. Let's, let's go to another country where we have better options. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... I was going to say, sorry, Karina, Hasna, how does that differ in different countries? Because I know you've got a bit of a knowledge about, you know, how the, how the situation looks in other, you know, in a more international setting. So obviously we are here, which is obviously quite unique and every country is unique in the way that it, um, it offers SEN education to its children. <coughs> I think that, um, you know, we automatically think that there is a perfect world out there and, you know, maybe in other countries that it's better so what do we think on a kind of global perspective about what the offer is? I mean, uh, the, um, the problem being uh, in, in countries that still have not a system that is streamlined is exactly that, that you're at the mercy of whatever school you go to, whatever school you apply to, unless it's a public system, which was not really an option for us. Um, but even the public system is flawed. I mean, in the U.S., uh, which at this point they have uh, the IDEA law, which really covers every bit of uh, of the educational process. So from a policy perspective, it's very good. Then it depends from state to state and also from county to county and what the resources are available. But usually uh, through a referral system, and that's when a diagnosis is very important. That's why you have sometimes parents that really need that diagnosis it's not like no we don't want it they need it because that opens the door for referrals and uh, the beauty of it is that the parents are usually uh, by law uh, very involved in that process they're just another team member and they get a say so if they didn't feel like an assessment was was fair enough they have the right to request another one which is then also paid by the school district they have the right to say no we don't feel like uh like this this uh iep this individual education plan is is correct also and that they they might also not feel that this is a good fit of a school so at that point they have options such as bringing in an advocate also paid by the state so it's a very if parents are educated and know the laws in the U.S., for example, they are very well supported. I mean, then you have that. Of course, you always have the gap of how these policies are implemented. Going to Europe, for example, also there is, I mean, there is an include a law that like mandates inclusivity and wants to include um, kids with special needs in the least restrictive possible environment. What does that mean? It means that your child needs to be main- mainstream as much as he or she can as much if he if he can do PE and he can't do something else there might be some pullouts some push-ins whatever but the child needs to stay in mainstream if he can if he if he and and all accommodations must be made possible now I was saying in Europe for example that the states can provide you a shadow teacher like I know uh, growing up in Italy for example I know there's or Switzerland there's a shadow teacher that is paid for by the state however the gap then is how qualified is the shadow teacher how qualified like you have almost like a gap in how the teachers are, are um, how the teacher, the knowledge that the teachers themselves have, the training that they've received, and this is what's unraveling in these past years is is really the gap. And okay, we have strong laws, but there's not a, enough education. But again, with the growing numbers 
uh, it's almost like something that is cannot be avoided anymore. So um, the laws are in place. Um, having said that, in our case, uh, we really are at the mercy of, um, let's say, our private schools because um, if they can fill, if they can fill their admission because they need to make also their money. So if they can fill that number, great. They are not going to take a single special ed- uh, student. Why would they pay more? Why would they bring in more? But then, if not, because there's quite a lot, then they will begin to see. Okay, is this? But the sad part is that it's usually always a financial process for them. It's a you know like they. They want to be compassionate, but then there's like that business element that it's like, oh, you know, it's just so much easier to close the door than open it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like each one of us in this uh, in this uh, space here uh, have gone through that. It's like, oh, we would love to support him, but that, you know, it's kind of easier to just close that door. Maybe we're not the best system for him. You know, I love how they say it. And, and it's okay. Again, it's not really them. It's about they're not being any uh, any policies holding them accountable responsible mandating that so without policies that's what it comes down to we're all lost you know if we have something legal to fall back on to make our fight which which it it exists around the world obviously and i'm hoping it's on its way in other countries without that we are really just fighting our own battles and that's the thing i think that um moira i'm just asking you the question as well about you know, this whole advocacy thing and actually fighting our own battles. Um, and I think that we all know, um, you know, as parents, we, you know, we've had this conversation, I think, before about the fact that as a parent, you know, you do have to fight a lot of battles anyway, generally. But obviously, for, for our situation and, you know, any kids with additional needs, then it seems that um, it's unfortunate and sad and quite depressing, really, the fact that we have to do more. So, Moira, what is your experience of kind of advocating for uh, your son in these kind of situations how did it make you feel was it surprising to you and you know you know what was the journey like for you uh well similar to you Alison we um Scallum was in nurseries it was absolutely fine the nurseries actually they weren't qualified they weren't trained but they dealt with them brilliantly and then he had to progress to preschool and they requested a shadow and then EI came along which was amazing. In the early intervention. Yeah. yeah. So for two years, he was in a yeah. nice, safe little bubble. And so was I. <laughs> and yeah. then I was in two, you know, part of me, push, push, push to mainstream. Or can we just stay here another year? And that's the dilemma, isn't it? It's that's the mainstream or not to mainstream as well. That's the, yeah. you know, that's a very... And mainstream, obviously, way. is what you think is the best thing that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so but, every but how school you, and I knocked on their door. Yeah, how did you handle that, like Moira? You know, how did you come up with the decision to kind of mainstream or not to mainstream him? You know, was that a tough one for you? Well, we didn't have an option. Mm -hmm. He he had graduated EI. It was Mm -hmm. going to possibly hold him back to stay. To be fair, and um, and there was no special school, so it had to be mainstream. So, did you think Um, at the time there was a kind of rosy tint on the schools that we potentially had looked at to say that they'd had? you know, uh, a SEND department and everything else. Did you feel like you were excited about this new opportunity? Did you think that there was a bit of a sales pitch going on as to how yeah, good yeah. the support would they be? All, and most of them just paid lip service to, right. sure, 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 we'll do this. And then when it comes to the crunch, oh, actually, no. Um, so I got really quite indignant <laughs> to a right. lot of them. Like, yeah. do you mean you won't take him? 
know how yeah. to think you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Telling everyone, don't go to that school. It's crap. Mm. Don't go there. <laughs> um, Did it surprise you, though? Did it surprise you when you started applying what, what the, um, you know, how many schools were uh, not, you know, not open to taking him? I was I surprised? Was I annoyed? I probably wasn't surprised. And we were prepared to pay for and provide support. That's the bit that I couldn't get. And I don't run a school. I'm not a teacher, so I don't know really what else is involved. But I just thought, I'm going to pay you money for my child to be there and I'm going to pay for a support. What else do you really need? Yeah. But they still but it's wouldn't. also it's not that feeling of it not being fair as well, isn't it? Huma, how do yeah. you feel about that? Because I know that you've been through um, a lot with the school process and, you know, you've been on quite a long journey now that Haida's older as well. So, you know, how, what and how are your, you know, how are your feelings and your thoughts when you look back and you look back at your journey with the schooling system? How does it make you feel Oh, the, this is a Pandora's box that, you know, <laughs> been, uh, you know, I try to keep a lid on it because then I, I it just, everything just comes out. But, um, <clears throat> you know, surprise, you know, as... Um, she's trying to measure herself before she speaks. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> you know, um, eldest child, uh, no idea what it would be, what this journey would be like. And then... Uh, you are uh, surprised and shocked that oh, uh, the challenges that you will face from the institutions that you thought would be there to help your child. Um, and, and you learning that there's a separate world for these kids that um, as uh, um, uh, we've, we've been very open about our um, diagnosis um, and we thought that that's the best way to go because uh, that's what we were told that if you don't disclose at the start and later on, if, if the school finds out and, you know, there will be, you know, it's, this is the best way to get uh, help for your child um, anyway. But um, it just, the diagnosis is just, it closes a lot of doors. Um, some schools, they are, um, well, I can only speak for this country. Um, I haven't had a schooling experience in any other country. And here we usually go to private schools. And um, th there is so much demand for neurotypical um, kids. Um, There's such long waiting lists in good schools that they're like, they can easily reject your child. They're like, you know what? We don't want to deal with your child right now. Um, and, and it feels horrible. They're like, and I said, you know, listen, you've just seen a paper. You haven't even met him yet. He's, he's nothing like what he's on the paper. But they're like, you know what? No, I'm sorry. There's, there's nothing we can do. We, we tried old established schools. That was a no. We tried new upcoming schools. And um, that was a no. Um, and um, so, Huma, were when you were talking to these um, people in the school, you know, the admissions team or maybe a teacher or, you know, the person that was doing the assessment, you know, did you did you have this conversation with them? And, you know, what did you feel like, you know, when how did they respond to you? Were they actually having conversations with you about this? You know, and was it was it over email or was it in person? Did you? Um, I, I would always uh, some some were um, on the on the phone. Mm -hmm. um we tried a lot around like 38 40 schools uh some and and 
yeah, some rejected straight out. They were like, no, we don't, we don't have the resources. We don't have the place. So that's the standard line we would hear. We don't have the resources. And that was um, without even meeting him. That was just with the piece of yeah. paper and a disclosure. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. And uh, the school that we did go to, um, some some of them had like, um, um, it, it, they were like, we don't have the reason. They would tell us in person. Some had the courtesy to tell us in person. Um, and then some were pretty open. They were like, listen, the, um, the laws, uh, they don't, had, had this school been in a different country, there were specific laws in place to, to protect these children. But here, mm-hmm. I mean, there are none as far as I know. I don't know. And then, so they can, basically they can get away with it. So there's no, there's no one pushing them that no, you have to take this child. You have to educate this child. So we, we were basically at the mercy. I, I felt I, I had no voice. My son had no voice. We, I was scared to, I was scared to defend myself because I was like, I I have no position. I have no feet. I, I I would take anything. And that's the thing, isn't it? You compromise. You, you know, how did that make you feel, though, as a parent, like that you had to like, it sounds to me like you were having to compromise just to get him the foot in the door. Yeah, desperate, horrible, um, um, scared uh, that uh, I felt like um, like some I, I felt like, like one of those excluded refugees or something that, yeah. oh, just 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 throw me anything. I'll, I'll take anything. Mm-hmm. And I, um, luckily we, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. People, people don't, um, my son was uh, expelled from his previous school. I'm not even going to say, oh, we left. No, we didn't leave. He was expelled because they were like, oh, we don't have the resources. I was like, you didn't have the resources in the first place. I was yeah. providing all the resources. What changed yeah. now? Yeah. Now yeah. what changed was that they were like, oh, we, they just had enough. Mm-hmm. They just had yeah. enough. And, um, you know, they, they excluded him from the class. They would make him sit in a separate room alone with the shadow teacher and um, make him work and uh, put him on forced medication. So I, when I went against all of this, they were like, you know what? We don't want you anymore. Yeah. So that's a shame. Yeah. And so we, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it because it left me uh, traumatic. It left my child traumatized and, so we uh, luckily we we got a spot somewhere else um, by luck. Um, they were kind enough. I think that I I honestly we've been just on the mercy of some kind people who who have shown us that oh uh, yeah we'll we went to the school and they were like yeah sure we'll take your child and I was like are you serious? Are, <laughs> is there a catch? Is yeah. is something that I don't know? I mean, how does that make you feel though, as a parent and you know as a family? that you are, you know, schooling is a right, education is a right, okay, to everyone. So how does that make you feel when you're, you're in that situation when you, can, you can't believe that a school will take your child? You know, I mean, in 2020 something, you know, in this day and age that you are like grateful for somebody to take your child on. It, it, it ecstatic and I, I feel and I feel horrible and I, I think that listen, I can pay for my shadow teacher there are a lot of parents who can't pay for their shadow right. teacher yeah what do we do I mean mm-hmm. and and even now I feel schooling is like there's a sword hanging on my neck all the time that one wrong step and you're out miss 
So I, it just feels, it feels stressful. Um, You know, my friends, uh, they were like, oh, you know, we used to live so close by. How come you never come out? How come you never socialize? And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to because when my kids, they go to school, I'm stressed out. Oh, is a phone call going to happen? Waiting for the phone call. Yeah. So I'm, you know, my mind is there and then, and so, yeah, that's, that's the thing. I, and I still feel I'm never at ease. I'm yeah. never at ease. Yeah. I, I feel, still feel that these kids, like we don't have a, a voice. We don't have someone backing us. We don't have someone yeah. saying that, listen, yeah, you, you can't kick this child out. Right. Right. So you're walking on thin ice. Maha, what's your experience of this? Do you have any experience of this? Yeah, I do, unfortunately. Um, I think, do <laughs> um, you know, I don't even think you can plan. Like we we came from Australia to Qatar and we flew here, I think, two to three times before we decided to move to, to meet everyone at the schools and to ensure that the school would be the right fit for our son because we, we wouldn't come here unless the school wasn't, you know, on board with everything. So when we moved here and my son was just six, the school was great, you know, they were very, and like I said, I, I, we flew here three times before we decided to move just so they could meet the boys and just so they can meet Zane. And, you know, we, we did all of that. So interesting thing is, you know, suddenly you get a change in your head of school who decides they want to take the school in a different direction. And, you know, a few years later, they say, well, we can't support your child anymore. So even when you do everything right and you disclose everything and you, um, you know, you, you support the school and you give them everything they need, um, they can still at any moment turn around and say, you know, sorry, it doesn't suit us anymore. And that's just, I think it's criminal because it's, you know, for you as, a, as an educational facility to, uh, you know, rob a parent of their uh, right for their child or to make a mum and dad feel like they, um, you know, they don't have any power is like probably the worst thing you could do. Like it's a form of abuse and these uh, educational facilities need to, or these schools need to be held accountable because it's just disgusting. Even when we do all the right things, they can still turn around and go, you know what, we don't feel like it now. And they get away with it because, you know, like, like Hassan was saying, you know, all these policies need to come into place to put, make these schools accountable for what they, you know, the decisions they've made and then to ensure that there's a certain standard that they're, that they're, um, that they're meeting. So, yeah, I think you just, you know, as a, as a, as a mum of a special needs boy, you know, I think you just need to be prepared for anything, even when you do everything right. Unfortunately, we just have to have the thicker skin possible just to be able to, just be ready for anything. And, and, and don't forget, you know, us as mums and, and with dads, you know, we, it's so important for us to be so, you know, positive and strong and this in the home as well. Don't forget, you know, we have to be great in the house. And, and then the schools are sort of beating us on this end and, you know, we're trying to deal with our family on the other end. And you're like, my God, like, why, why, what fresh hell is this? Like, why <laughs> beating us with- when we're down like and most of us like I know everyone here in this group is more than happy to say do you know what I'll sell my clothes if it means I can give my child a bit more resources you know I won't eat meat yeah. you know I'll do whatever yeah. it takes yeah. and we are like doing more like I've not met a more amazing group of mums and dads than in the special needs community and and you see these amazing amazing group of people being treated like this and you're thinking 
you've got to be kidding me. Like, uh, how do you sleep at night? So it's, uh, it is challenging. In saying that, though, you meet some incredible teachers that will go out of their way. And unfortunately, those teachers don't have the power that you wish they did because they're looking at you like, I wish I could do so much more and I can't because the system doesn't allow me to or, you know, the, the culture of the school won't allow me to do any more for your child. So you've got these great teachers that are sort of stuck as well, like looking at you thinking there isn't much more I can do as a teacher. Um, and unfortunately, these decisions are usually made by, you know, upper management that, you know, most of them don't, uh, you know, have much to do sometimes with the families directly. So, yeah, I'd just say just, yeah, just be ready for anything, really. How did you explain to your son, Maha, when you needed to change schools? Like, how did you break that to him? Because obviously he's aware that he needed to change schools. And I would imagine that, you know, there had to be a conversation, especially with him, because, you know, he needs to know what's going on. So yeah. it's very important for him. Amazing. He had his crew, you know, he had these yeah. friends and these friends did more than what the teachers did. You know, he had friends that just managed you know, helped him so much. So didn't really need to do much in terms of resources because he had this amazing group of friends. Um, so for, yeah, for me to tell him it was, he was about to go into middle school. So it was sort of a good time for me to sell him the idea that, you know, this is a time that we need to change because the school's going to get larger and there's going to be more kids in the class. And I, I sort of had to wrap it up like, you know, we're doing this for you and we need to try this new school. And and so I found this this great school. Um, hopefully, hopefully it stays great. You know, <laughs> I say that about all schools my children attend until you know a few years go by. Um, so lucky for me, he I don't know how he he was able to just cope quite quite well with it. Um, I think selling him the idea that look, it's a smaller school and you've got less kids in the class, and it was just a more tight knit community. And I think for him. That didn't sound so bad. Um, I was similar to most of you as well. You definitely, Alison, where I wanted to keep my kids together and I had to make the decision to, to separate them. Um, and so I've got, you know, one in one school, one in another school. Um, but I think it was just, I don't know, grace of God, I don't know. It was luck for me that my son was able to transition at age 11, he was at the time, um, to a new school. And, and he's really happy there now. So... For now, so you think it kind of worked out for the best after that? Yeah, work out for the best, but it the way the school managed it was just nothing less than disgusting, I would say. Like, right. they could have made that so much easier for me. And for you to have a discussion, like, I'm quite open minded for you to have a discussion with me saying, you know, we need to look at this for your son and we need to think about his future. No, I, I'm open to that. I actually encourage that because I need to know what I'm. Yeah. So that, 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 that conversation is fine, but the way it was done was, was just, yeah, it was, I, I don't know how these people sleep at night most days. Right. I just, think, how, how do you yeah. even have children yourselves? You probably like shouldn't be parents. So. <laughs> um, but no, I think it was um, in, in looking back. Yeah, it was in the best, but again, they didn't help me make that transition. It was, you know, you amazing group of ladies plus my tenacity that made me, go and look at every school and basically, <laughs> so, you know. I think that's um, one of the, uh, the core pillars of that school as well, is tenacity. But anyway. 
Okay. <laughs> um, Ring, coming on to you, obviously you've got three kids as well. And um, should your kids all be in the same school? Would you like that um, as an option? Or, you know, I know that they're not in the same school, but tell us about your decision and how that kind, kind of came about. Was that um, a kind of active decision or something that you were kind of um, pushed into? Uh, basically, um, well, we started off with all three kids in the in the same school and uh, then we moved the kids and it's in the same school but we figured that you know it was a personal choice to move my younger somewhere else because I think she would thrive thrive where she is right now uh, but um, Mikhail on the other hand is is actually fine going on his own he he said he said if we moved your other sibling your, he, my younger son, which is just one year older, will you be fine in the school alone? He says, yeah, because he has developed his own personality and his, he wants to be an individual. He wants to be known as Mikhail. I'm not Mikhail, the brother of Ryan. I'm not Mikhail. I am just Mikhail. And the thing is that he, um, because when we were, when he was in uh, KG, we decided to keep him one year behind. We didn't let him move to grade one because we knew that he wasn't socially and emotionally ready, uh, matured enough to move a grade above. And the school was uh, considered that, I mean, like considered and, you know, uh, so that was a good step for him. So he has um, remained in the same level and he's grown up in the same level with his younger brother. So uh, over time, he realized that, hey, I'm the older one. I'm, I'm the elder one. Uh, you know, I'm, I am an individual myself, you know, so I shouldn't be um, associated with, you know, having a twin or having a younger brother. And he likes to be an individual himself. But our uh, process in getting into school was just similar, like, you know, like uh, like Huma, like Maha, like like everyone else. It was tough. It was not uh, easy. When we decided on a school for Mikal to move him from nursery to school, it was um, the, the list was very limited because we knew that all other schools are not going to take him. It was probably like three schools on the list out of like. Um, you know, the schools that we have in, in Qatar. And we were sold to this school because it had a sense of community. It had, you know, um, all the feels like, you know, it's inclusive, we'll, we'll, we'll have you. But when we got in and when they realized that this is the child, they're like, oh, you didn't disclose anything to us. And I'm like, You've got to be kidding me. I submitted everything. Oh, there's nothing on, on file. And we're like, are you serious? That's like, you don't have any of it. It's just one piece sheet in his file, which is an application form. I'm like, no way. I've submitted a whole stack. And I spoke to your admission person. We had a conversation at back then Ramada Hotel, you know, and we, we've laid out everything and she met him. And now you're saying that, you know, you don't know this boy, you don't have a clue. And then they started to impose a lot of things on him. They even, there's one day when they call us up, uh, 
I don't think you should bring him to school tomorrow because we're having an opening ceremony, uh, opening ceremony and there's going to be a lot of people and I think he should stay at home. Wow. You know, so talking. I can't, and, and, I how can you do that? Talking. There's somebody behind all of this, you know, that doesn't understand, just has right. no consideration or thought for... Um, oh, no, but this person actually has, apparently has someone in her family that is they always do ring you know they always say that yeah <laughs> it's like oh. oh I know I understand you know I understand how you're feeling uh no and this is my wrong. cousin you know, has yeah, yeah my exactly. someone, someone no, today, that that yeah. just you know that just makes me so every time I think about it I, it just gets me so angry yeah how can you call me out and say that you can't let my son go to school you know, you, but, you don't, but maybe you if they had an, a physical disability, if they had a physical disability, there would be no question of anybody doing that because they know fundamentally that is wrong. So it's it is discrimination ultimately at the end of the day, but it's a different type of discrimination. And because it's not outwardly visible, then they feel right. that they can do that. Yeah. But yeah. they're you right. know it's still the same. It is effectively discrimination. Susanna, what are your thoughts on this conversation? And what, what was your, <laughs> the, the process that you went through <clears throat> to get your son into school? Because I think you were kind of doing that at the same time as we were. But yeah. also, you know, <clears throat> your thoughts on moving him out of the school that he's in. Are you thinking of changing or are you still kind of happy with the school that you're in? And what, um, are the, what you know, what are the, you know, do you need to jump through any hoops to kind of sure. move him on if you needed to? Yeah. To. So uh, admission wise, from the very beginning, we had just finished EI, we did it for a few months. And at that point, I um, was calling up schools. And I didn't even uh, think about like, should I disclose or not? I remember my husband was kind of like, well, you don't really need to do that. But, but I remember actually reading on some schools applications, where it would say something like, if you have any kind of disability or situation, you need to disclose. And if not, like it's grounds for them to at one point, you know, maybe expel, you know, or they just can't take um, any kind of um, children with disabilities. So for me, it's not only about that. I just kind of felt like I wanted him to be in the right space with the right um, resources and people who actually know how to help him. I did not want to put him in just any school just because I had no other choice and use that as a babysitter. And I want to kind of highlight, and I know I've mentioned this in previous episodes, that it's a spectrum for a reason. So I remember at that time just calling up schools because I didn't want to go through the whole application process and take all that time and pay all these different schools admissions fees while they might just tell me no. And actually, I got no's over the phone without even applying. And you know, my son, he's so mild on that the spectrum. Like, you don't, they don't even offer to meet the child. Like, they're, I'm not saying that children who have milder uh, symptoms. I know what you're saying. I, I know, but they still need get, support you in know, some ways. They yeah. do need some yeah. kind of support. Yeah. Um, and especially it's almost at like that they age, fall, fall through the cracks. As yeah. Well and that's why yeah. I like to mention it often because they yeah. definitely, I feel like if I haven't, especially early on, been always involved and on top of things, there is so much that could have fallen under the cracks. 
and yeah. I've supported in so many ways. However, I'm still sure there are things that do fall through the cracks. And it's very infuriating, to be honest, because, I mean, I like the school we're in. Um, I feel compared to like everyone's stories, I kind of was generally lucky, although I got tons of no's over the phone without even having to apply or anyone seeing him. I, at that time, worked for just like about a month in a school that was opening up. And they had planned to have a, a send department in place, but they didn't have their details, protocols, policies worked out yet. And so that was one of the schools that I applied to because I knew they had a send department. And there was one other school. And I think the reason as well at that time, like, first of all, I only have one son. I have never been through the process. So it's not like we had siblings. I, in any case, as any parent trying to get in a school, it's kind of like... Uh, I don't want to say a hit and miss, but it's hard to come to that decision just because you don't know and you don't have the, the experience in the first place. But also, I remember in the country at that time, there was a huge demand on schools. They had waiting lists for days and it was just like hard for anyone in general to get into specific schools. So like on top of that, then there's, you know, him being on the spectrum and um and so basically, I applied to two schools that had 10 departments in place. One of them was a, a new one. And um, the one that was already set up and open was a very nice experience at that time for me just to go in for the uh, interview or whatever they call it. Uh, I remember going in and I was so worried. Uh, like, what would Victor do? What's an interview like? What are they going to ask? What if he, I don't know, misbehaves? Like, what are they looking at? I didn't know. And I remember you're feeling was, like it's more of an interview for you and for him. Like, they're, I was they're terrified. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what, like, what we're going on your into. best behavior. And, yeah. yeah. And hmm. so I was like, I hope he behaves, you know, whatever. And I remember, like, when we finished the interview and the lady left, I was just like, oh my goodness, like he, it's almost like he was like the perfect angel. I was like, where did this boy come from? You know, he, he knew there was, was a lot riding he on He was it. like, so I don't think he knew anything. He was just kind just of like, joking. yeah, he was like four at the time, I think. But yeah, it was really funny. He just kind of, you know, uh, breezed through it. She asked questions. He answered. He played. He but really, uh, sorry, like, but, Susanna, but Susanna yeah. how, I mean, how does that make you feel looking back on that now? I mean, I think that we're all so was, desperate that yeah. we, we, we want our child, I mean, you know, asking any four-year-old child to be like, oh, you know, hoping and praying that he behaves and like, what is behave for a four-year-old anyway? Like, do you know what I mean? In that sort of setting. I mean, honestly, but, it's not like, it's the like, what, you know, what are we as parents you know, it's hard enough for a four-year-old child anyway to be in that yeah. kind of setting. You know, there's play assessments and everything else for schools, mm. but but being a parent and being under that, I mean, the pressure, how did you feel about that? You know, how I was, I was honestly stressed out because I knew I didn't have that many options. It's not like I could go, you know, and apply to other schools. I literally like had these two options that had a send department at the time and that were kind of somewhat new and had space to take people. So that the, this, this interview that I told you about, um, they, anyway, we breezed through it. He did perfectly fine. And uh, she said he did amazing. And because they had a system set up in place, she even said he didn't need a shadow teacher. Um, and uh, because they had certain things set up in place and he would be totally fine. And I was like, yes, 
the problem with this school <laughs> was that it was like an hour or so away from where we lived and the roads weren't the best to get there. My other option was the other school that I, told, I mentioned that I worked with for a very brief period of time. It was a little bit closer, 45 minutes. Um, but um, so, yeah, honestly, the, the decision to choose between these two, two schools in the end was my husband's because he's like, I'm not driving and letting you guys go an hour or more yeah. just one so way it was every day. It was li- into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was just like, okay, fine. There are two different yeah. systems. One yeah. was an uh, American system. One was a British system. Not, I mean, not that I knew really much the difference, but um, the school he's actually at. Um, so when we were doing the whole admission process, they, uh, because they had a set department, then all of a sudden, a lot of, you know, people were like, yes, thank God. And everyone that had a sense situation was applying there. Mm-hmm. And I think the school got overwhelmed because they didn't realize, you know, that there's that much demand for it. Mm-hmm. And although they wanted to help, I feel like they didn't have their policies in place yeah. yet. And they didn't want to uh, maybe take something that they weren't sure of. So then they hired um, basically someone from a different country. So totally objective to kind of be there in the assessments for the kids. And that lady, uh, after assessing Vic- Victor, said um, that he's doing really well. She said he doesn't really need a shadow or anything if he's with the right teachers and in the right environment. However, having said that, this school is new. You don't know how that's going to go. So just to be kind of like on the safer side, the school wants him to have a shadow teacher. And again, this is another thing I kind of feel a little bit lucky with. I wouldn't have had the first knowledge on how to find someone, how to hire someone, uh, if they're qualified. And I'm so glad that the school has, they decided their system was, they will find the teachers, they will hire them. You just have to pay for it. And it's probably more expensive than if I had to do it myself, but they literally, they're hiring teachers like proper, you know, teachers who have um, background in supporting children with needs. So, I mean, again, there's that extra cost that you're not expecting, who, mm-hmm. which is crazy, but it was just uh, one of these situations. And it was a means to an end. It's a has to situation, isn't it? Thank yeah. you, Susanna. Right, ladies, so we're going to do something a little bit different today. So we're going to do, I think this is such an emotive topic for all of us. And obviously, um, you know, a lot of our situations are um, unique because we are where we are. But yeah. um, I think it'll be really interesting. We go around the room and um, just each one of you, just give us, um, starting with Hasna, your kind of advice, maybe a top tip and something that you can share that you think is good advice for parents that are kind of going through the same sort of things, you know, whether or not it's mainstream or special education, whether or not you want an integration. Um, yeah, so Hasna, starting with you, what's your uh, I think I always say educate yourself on uh, uh, where you are, what the rights are, what, the, what your child needs and what the school policies, when you're researching a school, make sure that that actually it's not just about getting your child in uh it's rather about it's it's more about the school meeting your child's need if you go with that i know that in like 
we are very limited in our options. So sometimes you just want your child in school. And we know there's a lot of people that don't have their child in school. So my advice is, is do your research, your due diligence before going into this. Okay. Uh, Karina, any last thoughts from you or top tips? Yes, yes. Um, although the options are limited here, uh, my message is you'll find a place. There will be a school that is a fit for your child, but look after yourself, you know, and uh, because you need to be strong for your child. Yeah. Um, but there will be a place. You always find a place. Yeah, good advice. Uh, Maha. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, look, my advice would be um, that don't, don't um, take a lot of the information you'll get from some of these teachers and schools are uh, offered by people without any educational background in STEM or anything. So for you, for a school to say, you know, your child, you know, I had this lovely sentence, your child does not fit into the cohort of the students we have here. Um, this is just limited by all they know. So just because they say that doesn't mean they won't. It's just limited by their, a lot of these schools and a lot of these teachers have zero background yet make explosive claims about your child. So always remember that and always go with the people that know what they're talking about and yourself, obviously your intuition, um, but never feel like just because a school has not accepted your child that your child, that there's, you know, something really wrong or bad or, you know, your, your child is not worth it. No, because chances are it's the decision was made by people um, who don't have the experience full stop. Mm -hmm. Okay, Huma. Um, like Hasna said, uh, do your research, do your homework, and uh, you're the best advocate for your child. And just, just don't get disheartened. Keep trying. There's always you just need one school. You just need there will be a school that'll open um, doors for your child. And um, and and it's a uh, it's a long journey. And and it's you know even if things don't go according to plan, you know at one point we were even considering homeschooling. So you know. Um, sometimes things can be a blessing in disguise so it's okay just don't don't get don't be like depressed about it just you know make the best of the situation but but you know just fight for your child he he has the he or she has the right to be um in in an educational environment thanks so. Emma. moira uh yeah i think it's so <laughs> tricky to find somewhere but even when you do find somewhere that on paper is great and you're happy and the child's happy I think you still need to stay quite involved with what Just they're keep doing an eye on what's happening what yes yeah. because things change and uh yeah you just need to keep on top of whatever situation you're in really make sure it remains the best place for your child right name that's that's very good advice I think that we can probably all agree with that because things do change Susanna you just took it out of my mouth I was just going to say you need to kind of stay involved and keep fighting because sometimes there are little things that schools don't notice or just kind of think are, I mean, they might be normal, but things that they don't really understand how your son or daughter are functioning the way they are. And I remember early on, if I wasn't really involved with so much and always kind of like in the school with the teachers trying to understand like I kind of was thinking of a situation um, back to what Reen was saying about the opening ceremony 
I remember when our school opened and we had the opening ceremony because it was kind of like a huge press thing. Some ambassadors were there, the owner of the school. It was like a big media situation where they had this full on show. Um, I remember there was some nervousness from the schools and on, you know, they didn't actually tell me like, oh, um, we're worried about what Victor would do, but they were just kind of like, Uh, feeling a little bit anxious that he you know it's a lot of people he might not feel comfortable and I actually went in for quite a few sessions while they were doing their practices uh, at school because his biggest reaction was always what was when his dad and I would get there so we worked behaviorally with that uh, with him for him not to you know do any scene and not to run off or try to come to us and all of that So I just will second what Moira said again with like, keep, you know, stay involved. There are things that you'll pick up. And I was the one who came up with the solution for that. It wasn't really yeah. from like the schools Always and the parents. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just stay involved and you know, your kid best. Um, so yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thanks, Susanna. And um, Reen, final thoughts. Um, I would say is that like everybody said, you know, you have to be on top of things. You have to be constantly involved in the, you know, in his life in school. And you need to educate that you have to take the initiative to educate the teachers. And, you know, like we do every year before school opens, we sit in with all the teachers. We're like, especially they're new. Okay. This is because, you know, I would usually give, I would always request, for a meeting before and they always do it last minute and then you know you have and I would expect them you know the previous teachers to actually talk to the new teachers about that that but that doesn't really happen it never happens so you need to, we always sit in yeah so I usually sit in with the teachers with his therapist and his psychologist and we're like okay this is Mikhail this is his what he likes and now Mika will give his input. I want the teachers to know that I like this, this, and that. You know, um, take this out. I don't want them to know this. So he creates his plan with us to convey to the teachers, like, okay, this is him. This is what he likes. This is what he needs. And they need to understand that. So they, they and they need to be aware. So they're able to accommodate that in, in the class. It's not so much. It's just a little bit tweaks in here and there which, you know, at the end of the day benefits everyone as well. So educating the teachers and so far his middle school teachers have been amazing. They've, you know, they've really um, accommodated his needs and, you know, they write to me, some of them write to me quite often with his progress and that's just been, so far we've been lucky the past okay, uh, three years, him being in middle school, yeah. But you think that organising that situation and conveying those messages and communicating from your side has helped, which is great advice as well. Thank right. you, Reen. Okay, well, thank you all for joining. We're going to wrap up now. Thank you for joining us for this live podcast brought to you by Learn Autism. To learn more about autism and the topics that we're talking about, please check out our website at www.learnautism.com. You can find this podcast where you download your favorite ones. Please make sure to give us a rating and you can also find us on Instagram. Please click the link below. Please be sure to follow us and turn on your notifications so you can hear about all of um, the next episodes. And if you've got any feedback, comments or any topics that you'd like us to talk about, please do. And you can also watch this podcast on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash learn autism. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us.